Hi everyone, this is Aaron, and you are listening to Walnut Commentary, the official podcast for the pastors and leaders of FCBC Walnut. I spoke with Pastor Hanley Liu, the English pastor of FCBC Walnut, and we talked about Mian Noodles, his participation on the Sola panel, NBA sermon illustrations, and why he loves us more than we know. We also tackle a listener question. Do you have any general and personal strategies for killing indwelling sin? Thanks for listening. Hanley, how do you like Mian noodles? How did you like that? <laughs> that place is legit because of the price and because of what you get. I already like spicy noodles to begin with, but I, I, I don't know the exact price because um, Meryl did the, the ordering or I think she selected the noodles or maybe I selected the noodles and then she went ahead and placed the order. But I know that you get you get the noodles, you get a free refill of noodles and they give you that mung bean sweet <laughs> drink uh, and it's unlimited. I mean, maybe I'm just ghetto, but for... What is that? It was under 10 bucks, yeah, right? Yeah, it, was, per it order? was cheap. It was cheap. This is Mia Noodles in Alhambra. Apparently, there's going to be one in Walnut. It's probably going to have Walnut Diamond Bar Rolling Heights prices too, right, which means right. it, it won't have that sweet SGV under $10, <laughs> under $8, you know, and, and maybe that's just the Asian side of me, do just you, kind of looking you, for the bargain. Do you like spicy noodles? I like spicy foods in general. I probably should cut down. Do you prefer noodles or rice? Oh, uh, it depends what you're talking about. But but I, I tend to like noodles. But it depends depends what type of food you're you're eating. What's accompanied with the noodles or the rice? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, this Mia noodles, it's like Szechuan style. So it's, I don't know, like, did you get the dry ones or the wet ones? I got the one that was in soup. Yeah. And it was... It had that numbing, that numbing spiciness. Yeah, the numb stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's good stuff. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it, man. When it comes to Walnut, we'll have to go uh, after church and uh, see how it compares. <laughs> Hanley, you um, recently did this Sola panel, and that's what we talked about last time. So tell me how it went for you. Give me your perspective and uh, your overall thoughts on it. You know, I was humbled and honored to just just be among the panelists and to meet and connect with other pastors and church leaders. I'm not really sure how the listeners or the people watching the panel responded or whether or not, you know, I was able to be a blessing to them. Uh, they were very gracious. Some individuals gave me personal encouragement, but I was definitely blessed and encouraged to, to, to get to know some of them. So perspective wise, I, I was surprised to see the number of, of Chinese American pastors that came out. Um, some of our, our friends or our churches that we associate with were there or sent or had one or two pastors there. So that's pretty cool. So I didn't expect that. I, I thought it would be predominantly a, a Korean American or Japanese American crowd, but I had a, I had a great time just, just learning from, from them. Did yeah, you have, glad to be connected. Yeah. Did you have any problems with the questions they were asking you or were you pretty, uh, <laughs> were you pretty uh, confident in your answers? I I hope I answered their questions. I, I I didn't feel nervous or I didn't feel, yeah, I didn't feel like I had a problem answering the questions. I mean, some of the questions were hard to really, I guess, capsule capsulize, right, or, mm -hmm. or put into a capsule. Like like it's hard mm -hmm. to just 
just answer briefly. I mean, sure, sure I could talk an hour about it. You know, with me, and, and I think it's true for a lot of pastors too, sometimes we don't answer things directly because it's not wise to, you know, someone can misquote you or someone can pit you into a very narrow corner and say, hey, yeah. that's what they represent. Sure. So sometimes um, on panels, uh, I'll just tell you a secret. I don't answer the questions directly. I say what I say what I feel like my convictions lead me to say, and you know I say it lovingly and graciously and charitably. But sometimes you just don't want to answer the question, you know. So so that's why it's always better just to put things into writing. Mm. When you put things into writing, you really mean it. You thought through it. Uh, I'm not talking about a Facebook post, but but I am talking about putting things into writing where where people can just read it over and over again and just be mm. like, okay, that, that's what he really said. You know, I mean, you make a good point because with, with the panels, a lot of people don't know the context that you're coming from. Yeah, sure, right. maybe they gave a brief introduction like this is Hanley from FCBC Walnut, but, you know, nobody really knows the ins and outs of our church like you do. And nobody really knows our full context like how you do. So I, I totally understand where you're coming from and how you don't want to be misquoted or even misunderstood or even, you know, misrepresenting FCBC Walnut. Right, right. And Sola did a really good job prepping us as panelists because the main questions that they asked us, they, they did give us a heads up and they did give us some time to prepare to answer those questions. So, so that part, I, I guess that's what made it easy. Uh, the questions that were harder to answer were questions that were texted in from from those who were listening. Oh, wow. Uh, and, and there weren't too many of those, but there were sure. a few. And if it was directed towards uh, working in an immigrant church, yeah. then I would I would try to take a stab at, at answering oh, wow. that question. But sometimes you don't really know the context of that question because these are anonymous. Mm. So you're mm. not really sure exactly what specific issue they're, they're asking about. Sure, sure. And, and so you try your best to answer it. And I think some of the other panelists tried their best to kind of answer questions that were directed towards them as yeah, well. Yeah, so. yeah. Do you get nervous being on those panels, like being with other pastors and having an audience that you're not familiar with looking at you? Because at our church, you know, you get up on stage, you know, you know, people doing the invocation, you know, the music leader, you know, your congregation, but in something like this, I'm assuming you don't know too many people. Maybe you have some pastor affiliations, but mm -hmm. you know, does that make you nervous at all? I would say there's a there's a healthy natural nervousness. There, there's not this crazy confidence where it's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I I can't wait to get up there. I, I I'm just not like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm not like that. I think when I was younger, I would get nervous. And you know that I'm a very passionate guy. So yeah, once sure. I once I get on stage for yeah. a speaking engagement or some type of panel like this, I just kind of zone out <laughs> and and I'm in the zone. You know, I'm okay, in this passion okay. zone and I yeah. kind of I kind of just stay focused on what I prepared and I was afraid to interact, you know, eye mm. contact wise. I would just get into my sermon, I would just mm. be very passionate. I think that yeah. would carry me through. For something like a panel, you're not really going in with full passion. So you do have to kind of think a little bit about how how you're going to appropriately answer questions. Yeah. So I, so I think there's a there's a natural nervousness, but you know over the years uh, I think I've become less and less nervous speaking to crowds or, or getting up in front of people mm. just because I I've gotten a lot more comfortable with who I am you know and and I'm just like well this is who I am and I'm going to do my best to to be loving and charitable and and clear I'm not probably not always going to be as clear as I want to be. 
but it also helps when you look into the audience and you see a lot of people who are younger. Is that you what know? you saw? I didn't see a lot of people who are 50 plus. <laughs> and, and, and so it, it is very different when, when you're, when you're speaking from a place of experience where you feel like, you know, not that you're not going to be learning from them. Not, not that at all. Not like you're coming over them, you know, mm-hmm. or, or you're speaking down at them, but right, you right. do feel more comfortable speaking from a place of experience Versus I'm used to getting up on Sunday and for the longest time, the majority of the English congregation being 15, 20, 30, even 40 years older than me. It's kind of scary when when you're just a young kid, you know, and you're up there feeling like a kid. And the only authority you have is the word of God. Uh, And I guess that's a good thing. That that is a good thing to hide behind the scripture. So, So a lot of people don't know, but the secret to preaching to 400, 500 people who are much older than you is you don't look at any of them. Which is bad communication, but that, <laughs> right? that, yeah. but but you just look at the top of their heads. You turn your head side to side, and you look at the top of their heads. And because the room is big enough, the people in front don't expect you to stare at them. I mean, that would be awkward. So you're kind of looking towards the back, and it's fine. And you know what? That's how that's how I, I got through. You know, many years of sermons, not focusing on people's reactions or what they think of me, but just looking at, at the Word of God, looking at what I prepared. And I think as I got older, I got more comfortable looking people in the eye, just looking people at their faces and and seeing what their reaction is. And so communication improved over the years. But yeah, maybe I was afraid and I just psyched myself out and said, hey, I'm just going to preach to the top of their foreheads, which is actually bad communication skills. <laughs> but you know what? It, it, it is what it is. I haven't seen you on a panel before. At least I don't remember seeing you on a panel. So if Sola ever releases video or even audio of that uh, be sure to send it my way i would love to see you in that environment <laughs> um, oh man how about for sunday school man do you do the same communication skills in sunday school or are you much more personable sunday school i i try to i try my best to to get out in front of the pulpit or the podium uh, especially in our current auditorium in an elementary school so so we meet at your bar elementary elementary school down the street for Sunday school. And it's angled in a way where the podium is to the side. So I like to at least step to the front. I have to go back behind the podium to access my computer for the slides. Uh, I, I think in a smaller classroom where the classroom is a lot smaller, I'd probably be okay just kind of staying in back of the podium and talking talking from there because it doesn't seem you know as distant. But definitely I, I like to get in front of the podium to to be more accessible just visually. Did you want to talk about coffee and Christianity? I know I didn't uh, email you this, but did you want to talk about that yet? Or is that still on the back burner? Well, we're working on it. I, I need some help, but but I got a good team. We're a bunch of guys and we need some gals, but I know it's hard to, to attract the core team. So coffee and Christianity, what it is, is that every Sunday morning, we are going to meet at your Barra Elementary School. It happens at the same time as Sunday school, simultaneously. And we are targeted towards newcomers, seekers, non-Christians, or even Christians who have theological questions. So we're targeted at people who want to have a 
conversation or dialogue about anything theological. It could be anything to who is Jesus Christ, why is the Bible true, to questions about abortion, you know, is it biblical to do um, in vitro fertilization? Let's talk about what do we think about the whole Supreme Court fiasco and this whole issue here? Who's right? Who's wrong? I mean, things that we really can't address in the pulpit. There's no time to go on these rabbit trails. Even questions about FCBC Walnut, like what kind of ministries do you guys have? How do I become a member? Why do you guys preach through books? You know, anything. And so what we're looking for are baristas and theologians as the core. And what I mean by that are baristas to to make the coffee. So what it is, is that we're just going to put ourselves out there, you know, on our website and anybody who fills out a form, I will get a copy of that. Then I'll invite them to come. I'll I'll let them know where we're at. And it's just for them to kind of meet us and they can ask any questions. So it could be anything from three or four conversations happening. So this group can be as big as we want it to be because it can be many circles of discussions happening. It could be one group discussion. And and as the individuals are waiting for their coffee to be made, we're, we're just building a relationship. So it's it's going to be, so I have Gabriel Lee, Gabe Lee, I got Ryan Enoch Wong said he'll step in, Felix Soy. So, so, so those are our three baristas because yeah. I don't know how to make coffee like that. We are going to have a little coffee budget and this will be free coffee as, as a means of outreach for these newcomers, seekers and, and unbelievers. And, and then I, I've recruited Derek Ma and myself as the theologians. Now, some of the baristas can double up as theologians, but I don't, I don't have any females who I know yet who are comfortable. So I'm I'm looking for any females as well as guys who are very comfortable just interacting off the fly. So these are these are theologians who read for fun. Preferably, if you are Calvinistic, that is preferred. Gospel centric, Baptistic in your ecclesiology, um, aligning with the doctrine of the Baptist Faith and Message 2000, as well as Southern Seminary. Um, you know, so that's very specific. But yeah. you know, we we do want to represent what our church believes in, and so that's a form of, of just exercising our gifts, right? So if we have knowledge, then we need to put that knowledge into action. And we we have responsibility. Us nerds have the responsibility to engage people with questions. And right now at FCBC, we actually don't have a seeker class. We don't have a one-on-one class. The problem is there's going to be weeks where nobody comes. And so what are we going to do? Right. So, so, so I think that's where we, we become a community group. So on weeks where we don't have any visitors or people coming through, this group can be sharpening our knowledge. So maybe we will talk about social justice and the gospel and, 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 and this whole debate. And maybe, maybe we will talk about how to think about politics and Christianity and the Bible and, and, and just sharpen ourselves so that we're ready to engage people. So I don't know how that's going to go. It's very organic. I'm, I'm also thinking of something that, that that I don't have to prepare for. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't take any extra time. We just show right. up and we just answer questions that we can. And it, it's totally cool, I think, to engage people and say, hey, look, I don't have the answer right now, but I know where to look it up. I'll get back to you. You know, so looking for a team. So if you have any sisters that you know who are very confident in their knowledge, I mean, not pride, but just confident in expressing their biblical knowledge and, and theology. We're, we're looking for those people. Oh, very cool, man. I am excited to see. Um, this is a community group, right? I'm excited to see how this. This is a community group. group. Yeah, I'm excited to see how this grows and yeah, what what happens with it uh, with the upcoming church here, man. This is exciting. It's very entrepreneurial, man. Do you see yourself as an entrepreneur? No, because because the church is not a business. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
you know, we are a nonprofit organization, and mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, the church is an organism. It is a church, mm-hmm. um, and so, so, so what I what I believe is that this community group just gives an opportunity for us to engage people, and we're just going to put ourselves out there and trust that God would bring people, mm-hmm. you know, that He wants to bring into our church. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, visitors are going to have to take the walk to Yabara. Uh, and, and so already we're putting our faith in the fact that God is going to bring people who need to hear the gospel or maybe have concerns about Christian doctrine that need to be answered. Uh, and, and we'd love to just engage people. So, so I don't know how that's entrepreneurial, but <laughs> but hey, you know, if it turns into something, that's great. I think that it is a good idea that you are not burdening yourself with actual Sunday school curriculum. Now, I I am a proponent for Sunday school. I think that Sunday school has its rightful place in in church. Um, However, I do understand where you're coming from. You are heading back into the pulpit this Sunday. What's up on your plate? So I'm preaching um, every single Sunday in October. You know, my typical schedule for, I mean, most people know that I, I typically preach three times a month and sometimes twice a month if we're trying to rotate other guys in, our senior pastor will always preach once a month at least, coming in and and you know reiterating the vision. I have a a threefold role, three things. Uh, one is is I want I want to preach Christ expositionally from Mark. So so the number one task is to shepherd the flock of God by pointing them to Christ through the explanation and exposition of His Word from the Gospel of Mark. The second task uh, is to speak to the heart. I have a goal of speaking to the emerging and younger generation because I, I believe that just by explaining the Bible propositionally, you are already going to be speaking the language of the 50 plus. Those mm. who are 50 years or older grew up in a society where where objective truth was more acceptable, mm. especially if they're in church. And, and, and so given that I'm younger and I don't have a lot of life experience to give them, I'm not going to come in there like, hey, look, let me tell you how to live your 50 plus life. No, no, no. <laughs> they Their expectation of, of me is to shepherd them by pointing them to God's word and giving them application and loving them. You know, I can't wait to get up there this Sunday and tell them because it's been a month since I told them I love them. You know, <laughs> and I got to tell them I, I love them. I'm I think, telling you, I, man, I don't feel loved right now, man. I you know, need that you know what? affirmation. No, no, no. The people need to hear that from their shepherd. And, and yeah, you know, it's people can, you know, for a year or two, people can just say, Hey, that's just lip service. That's just Mm. a slogan. Mm. But, but, but I think the key to that is, is you have to say that for a decade, you know, 30 years later, when you're in the hospital room, shepherding people as they're struggling with the final days of their life, they will remember, you know, if you stick with people for 30 years and you're doing funerals and you're doing weddings of their kids and everything like that eventually that i love you more than you know will will carry its meaning but the people need to hear that so that's so, so that's the first thing is go back love the people shepherd them by bringing them back to god's word i i think the second the second task is yeah speaking to the millennials and using heart language because there's a certain language that they're asking why why should i believe this okay, they're thinking, I know the propositional truth. I heard it, but I don't feel it. You know, there's so much information. There's, there's so many things. So, so how do I wrestle with this in light of my practical issues? So just speaking the heart language for, for the millennials and the generation Z. And then the, 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 the third, the, the third thing is just to 
bring the vision down to the level specifically of the English congregation. So we talked in September, Pastor Albert talked about revival, and it's so very important. Revival begins with the heart. Revival begins by going back to God's word and going back to God in prayer. Now, we all know this, right? This is nothing new, but what does that look like practically? Because theologically, revival requires the work of Jesus Christ, right? Revival is the work of God in our lives. It is the work of the Holy Spirit using the Word of God to bring truth alive and bring conviction. And that's actually a lifelong process. I think it, it's, it's, it's just how do we do it now? You know, how do we do it from the Word of God where where we we guide people slowly, wherever they are in their faith, guiding them slowly, one step at a time towards experiencing the gospel. Yeah, so that th- those are three things. I kind of threw in five things, but really three things. <laughs> no, it's good. It's it's exciting, man. I I you know I do appreciate Pastor Albert doing you know five sermons in a row. That gives you adequate rest, and it sounds like you're energized, ready to to come back and swing, man. Here's a question <laughs> yeah. for you, though. Mm-hmm. Do you think that all pastors need to say to their congregation that they love them more than they know? Like, are you telling me that that every single pastor should be saying that type of stuff? I don't. I, I Of course, I'm not saying that you have to do it. The Bible, I don't think, says that you have to do it. You have to say, I love you. I'm thinking contextually. So first of I all, I did, I did not invent that <laughs> phrase. <laughs> Where did it come to from? be fair, yeah. To be fair, I heard Matt Chandler say it once, and, and I don't know if that's something that he says still, but I mm. I heard him say it once, and I'm yeah. like I'm like I'm sure that's a universal. I mean, I'm sure people have said that. Sure, right, in, yeah. <laughs> in, in the context of the church, outside of the context yeah. of church, you know, on Coast 103.5, you know, whatever, yeah. right? In R and B music, yeah. you know, somewhere people are going to say, "I love you more than you know." But right. but I I just thought, hey. Doesn't that reflect reformed theology? I mean, I mean, isn't it true that that we love because he first loved us? So even right. before we ever loved God or even mm-hmm. before we ever understood the gospel, Jesus Christ chose to love us by going to the cross to die for us. And God the Father chose to adopt us and predestine us and choose us. And I know that's very narrow. Okay, so but regardless of your school of thought theologically regarding your view of salvation, at the end of the day, look, God loved us first, and we can all agree with that. But second, contextually, you know, how many Asian parents tell their kids, I love you? That's so, good, man. And, That's good. And, and, and how many Asian parents, and, and you know what? It's not really their fault because them growing up, how many of their parents told them? They didn't hear it either. They didn't right? hear it either. Yeah. So, so, so there's something magical about just hearing, I believe, the spiritual shepherd representing God saying, look, God loves you more than you know. And God's not here audibly to say that to you. I'm about to bring you the word of God, mm-hmm. but I want you to know that I love you more than you know, you know, representing the under shepherd of Jesus Christ. So mm-hmm. that, that, that really is a, my motivation behind that. And I know it's become kind of a, a joke, a slogan that people have kind of said, and that's cool with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey man, I appreciate you saying it. And uh, I expect to hear it multiple times <laughs> this month. We actually have a listener question this time. So let's let's try to tackle this. This question is if you, Hanley, have any general or personal strategies for killing sin. <laughs> Jesus kills sin. <laughs> um, right, let me okay. right, killing okay. indwelling sin. Yeah, killing indwelling sin. Okay, so so let me just be clear. When we're talking about indwelling sin, 
we are most likely not referring to just the external actions. We're not talking about the obvious sins. Like you go up and punch someone in the face. That's obviously sinful, right? We're talking yeah. about indwelling sin within a believer. That's what I'm assuming this question is coming okay. from. Yes. So, I mean, generally, so the first part of the question was generally, uh, I think there's Bible reading, prayer, and accountability, obviously. But here's where it needs to be more than that, because you can read your Bible for knowledge while never allowing the scriptures to check your heart, right? And that's where indwelling sin latches onto something that's good, like Bible reading, and just turns it into head knowledge rather than heart examination. With prayer, you can pray to God and confess your sins. You can ask for things. You can confess surface level sins, but indwelling sin is really a lot of times the sin that we don't see, the hidden motivation, the sinful motives that are that the intentions that are not dealt with over the years, the habitual rhythms of the heart. And so part of prayer is do we have the discipline to take the time to say, God, search my heart search my sinful motives and intentions, and then listen to him. And then accountability is great, but you could develop a system of lying to your accountability partner or your community group. You can choose what to share. You can slant things. You can say, hey, you know, you can share your sin struggle in a way where it seems like it's someone else's fault or, or a life circumstance causes you to sin. And that's because sin is like a parasite that can adapt and hide itself in righteous clothing. So so you can have sin appear like it's good. You know, you can have sin hiding and, and it's dormant and you don't even know it's there, right? Like bitterness. And all of a sudden something happens in life, like a difficult life circumstance. And all of a sudden this sin arises. So now to get specific then, I think battling against indwelling sin is a battle against the spiritual flesh, which is ultimately a battle of desires. And, and, and so how do you then battle your desires? I think it's, it's hard in a world where you're constantly bombarded by information, busyness, social media, emails, and stuff to do. So when do you actually have time for reflection where you read your Bible, you pray, but then you sit there and think, you journal, you write stuff out, you take a walk and reflect, you, know, you reflect upon your heart. You begin to ask the questions of why, look, I know that I shouldn't sin. I know I shouldn't be bitter. I know I shouldn't be angry, but why can't I forgive? Why is it so hard? Is there something in my heart? Is there something that happened to me? Is there some bitterness that I did not confess over, you know, confess to God? What is it that I really want? Ernie Baker, the biblical counselor and counseling pastor, says a lot of times we struggle with either depression or or, or other sins. It's because what are we wanting in life that we're not getting? Or what are we getting in life like a trial that we're not wanting? Now, bring that to a deeper level of your heart. What are you desiring that you're not getting that's causing you to run towards the fantasy of pornography or lust or the pursuit of some type of positional pride or affirmation. Some of us, we really long for affirmation. What's causing that? Were you not affirmed by someone? Are you? Why isn't the affirmation of the gospel sufficient in certain moments? And so there's no other way than to schedule times of retreat to draw away from busyness, just like Jesus did, to draw near to the Father. We see that throughout the Gospels. The Son of God did that. He could have prayed on the fly. Um, he could have read the Bible on the fly. But I think he drew away from meaningful times of retreat. And I think that's just something that's really hard to do. Uh, and so then you have to know what your tendencies are. In, in order for us to battle indwelling sin, you need to see within your specific heart what that indwelling sin 
looks like when it begins to rear its head. Is it self-reliance and biblical, or is it biblical knowledge, pride, judging others, self-justification, like I mentioned, blaming others, blaming life circumstances, excusing sin, minimizing sin, hiding sin, or hating the consequence of sin, but not hating sin itself because we secretly love it. And so all of these things require deep reflection. You know, that's something that I have to preach to myself. I I think that that you hit it right on, man. And like what you said, especially in today's culture where we are always on the move, we're always multitasking, we're always staying busy. We don't schedule those times to retreat. We don't schedule those times to rest and reflect and to sit with God, you know? And right. and I yeah. think I think what that is is it's taking action, actually thinking about how you can kill your sin. And that's not, yeah, it's not like you're going to be able to fight your way through it. You know, it's a spiritual act and that requires, you know, intense prayer and meditation and saturating yourself with the sort of the spirit. So that way, when it comes, you're ready to Mm -hmm. use it. I think that's really good, man. Thanks for sharing that. Do you have any personal examples that, that you can Sure. So I, I believe that battling sin requires the spiritual disciplines and spiritual disciplines. The main ones are prayer and scripture reading, but we need a balance discipline with the power of the Holy Spirit and the gospel. So sure. let me f- try to work it out. Right. Okay. So yeah. um, I, I think we all understand that we cannot battle sin with our own ability or power, uh, which means we need the cross. We need a we need the cross of Christ. We need the power of understanding the gospel. We need to remember Jesus and his work and his person. And then we really need the Holy Spirit to do his work. But we also know that you can't just sit there and do nothing. And that's where the discipline part comes in. You know, this is completely secular, but but let me just use the illustration. So Kobe Bryant, horrible, I guess, more moral example, right? But excellent excellent killer instinct in terms of discipline. And he talks about how on the basketball court, the reason why he has this killer instinct, his book, by the way, Mamba Mentality is coming out in October. But, <laughs> but, but I mean, he, he talks about how he practices the same move thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of time, mm-hmm. times over and over again in mm-hmm. practice. So during game time, no matter what happens, someone's slapping him, He's tired. It's the fourth quarter. It's the last shot or the first shot. That it's muscle memory. That right. he's just able to get into the rhythm of his shot and whatever that move is, he's able to make the move. And so you take that very fleshly, secular idea and you say, "What does he have there? It's discipline. It's doing the same thing over and over again." And and I I, I think if you take that model and and because I, I use that illustration because we can all relate to it, right? Mm, Whatever mm. you're good at, it takes practice. And if right. you repeat something over and over again, it's going to become second nature to you. So when it comes to battling sin, you got to recognize sin. Married people know this, but even if you've been in any relationship, you know how you can have all the knowledge, like all the steps, like, hey, I'm not going to get mad. Or, or people who struggle with anger, I'm not going to get angry. I'm not sure. going to get into an argument. But when you're in the heat of the moment, look, you can't, you're not going to be like, hey, let me pull out my note card now. <laughs> Step one, why am I so angry? Step two, be constructive. Step three, you know, yeah. um, what is my love language, right? You're, I mean... I mean, that's debatable whether that's even a biblical issue. But but I mean, at the at the end of the day, you're you're emotionally heated. You're stuck. So you have to be like that where you're so disciplined in drawing near to the cross, in surrendering to Jesus Christ, 
in understanding how to draw near to the power of God, in praying, in reading your Bible, in believing and trusting on the theological truths that when your life is shaken, that it doesn't matter. You've set up the rhythms thousands and thousands and thousands of times. So my personal struggle is finding that time. And so I, I think one of my personal strategies is, is just disciplining my time and being okay with not being able to do everything I want to do. Okay. Right. Okay. That, that, yeah. I, that I got to say, okay, I, I need that time, whatever that time looks like. I need to block out that time where it's just me, my thoughts and the gospel or me, mm -hmm. my thoughts and the Bible and yeah. prayer. That's the only way because because I'm trying to get those repetitions down. Yeah, man. No, that's really good, man. Thanks for sharing that, dude. And thanks for thanks for being a little bit personal, man. I I, I hope whoever uh, submitted this question is uh, blessed by that answer, and uh, we can always do more follow-up if needed. One quick thing is that um, I do appreciate you slipping in your uh, NBA illustrations, man. So <laughs> in, at last, it you put in a Draymond Green illustration. Do you, I did. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I talked about boasting. Yeah, you talked about his boastful nature, right? And yes. I thought it was funny because I knew what you were talking about, but I don't know if the rest of IT knew what you were talking about. Did you think that it landed well with them? Do you think they know who Draymond <laughs> Green is? You know, like... <laughs> You know, maybe, maybe not. I I know there's enough basketball fans in there. Okay, here, right. Here, here's the thing about about why I do the sports illustrations. Okay, yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Um, and and again, I mean, I'm completely. I try to be transparent, and honest about my motivations and intentions. So this is all planned and predestined. Okay, when I preach, I know that men, not all men, but most men are more likely to drift off in their attention. I, I just know that because when you're talking about spiritual things, prayer, worship, you know, <laughs> you, 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 can, you can see the sisters are, are more engaged emotionally, locking in, reading their Bible, taking notes. Okay, especially when you're preaching Sunday morning and, and, and you have a bunch of men who they are at church because their wives have, have dragged them to church, they're probably not going to remember most of what I say. So, so you got to think of the attention span of the people, right? right I mean, right, you, right. you got them for maybe 15 minutes tops right. if you're lucky sure. and you have to allow for time for them to just kind of mentally drift off. Yeah. They're going to check their phone. They're going to do something. We can't get mad at them. That's real life. So I'll throw in something and, and, and it can't be long, right? If you just draw out a joke, you're wasting time. But, but you can just throw in a, hey, LeBron James, hey, did you see that last night? That was a horrible, you know, move or foul yeah, or, yeah. or Chris Paul flops too much. Yeah. And, and you know what? It's just, it just draws them back in for the moment. It just draws them back in the, for the moment and it gives you another 10 minutes for, for them to listen to you a little bit. I probably saw that there were some guys kind of dozing off or kind of oh, drifting. Okay, okay. And, and I just throw it out there yeah. and, you know, sure enough, they're engaged because those are the guys who are probably checking their fantasy sports while I'm <laughs> preaching. <laughs> They're probably checking their fantasy basketball. You know, well, it's coming now preseason. Right, right, right. Um, So no lie. That's why I do it Sunday morning occasionally. I know that half of the sisters are like, why is he saying that? It has nothing to do with anything. Look, it's just to, it's just to get that attention of the guys. And guys, that's the honest truth. That's why I do it. Hey, I um, appreciate the strategy, man. And I, I do expect to hear more. NBA illustrations with the start of the season, man. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Last question. What have you been reading recently? And then I'll let you go. 
I'm still reading Good Angry by David Paulison. And I've, I've taken more time to work through the questions. It is so good. I, I think it's called Good and Angry. Okay. Anyway, but but it is so good. So I'm slowing down to work through that, you know, since the last time we talked. Today, because of, of that question that came in, I started re- reading this and um, it's called Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices by Thomas Brooks. It's okay. a Puritan paperback okay. that I read in seminary, assigned in one of my classes. Precious Remedies Against Sa- Satan's Devices. So when you're talking about battling indwelling sin, it is old English Puritan type of stuff, but it is so good. I mean, one thing one thing I try to do with books is build yourself a library. You don't have to read the whole book. But what I what I do a lot of times is if there's something good, I'll highlight it. And that way I can always go back pull it off the shelf and I can relook at my highlights. What spoke to me then I can maybe pick up another thing or two, highlight it. And for the rest of my life, I'm interacting with conversation partners and mentors who are dead. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, so I just picked that up and I'm probably going to read it again. So that, that that's, that's what I'm reading. That's awesome, uh, man. Oh, um, team of rivals. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Team of rivals. The, they, they made a movie about it, about Lincoln. Right, and Lincoln, yeah. Team. So, so when that movie came out, I said, you know what? I'm going to read the book. And I, I bought the book on Amazon and I read like, I don't know, 80 pages of it. And I just put it on the shelf because I got busy. So I picked it up again recently and said, you know what? I'm going to work through a little bit more of it. So I, I'm just kind of weird. I, I just read a little bit here and there and whatever I, I, I feel like or feel uh, led to or whatever I have time good, for. Man. So uh, so I picked that up the other day and I love that slowly, event, eventually <laughs> I'll, I'll get through it. Very cool, man. <laughs> Thanks, Pastor Hanley, and thank you everyone for listening to our podcasts here at FCBC Walnut. We want to answer your questions, and we want to talk about what you want to hear us talk about. So please send us your questions and comments by emailing us at socialmedia at fcbcwalnut.org. For more episodes, you can visit our archive at walnutcommentary.tumblr.com. And you can subscribe to our official podcast feed on YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. Just search for FCBC Walnut. For more info about our church, visit us online at fcbcwalnut.org. Thanks. See you soon.